As we get going, I love how real the Bible is. It's really real. And in moments like this, a big climactic moment, we get something like verse 17, if you can see it. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. What a detail to record that some of them doubted. But of course, this is not just propaganda. This is a record of real people and how they were really responding to what they'd seen. These 11 disciples had seen something unprecedented. Jesus, alive again, after being brutally killed. And yes, Jesus had told them that this would happen, but they were confused. And as we meet the disciples, they don't really know everything that's going on. There's worship, but there's also confusion in the mix. What about us this morning? I wonder what's in the mix for you as you come to church. Well, whatever it is, what Jesus has to say will meet your needs just as it did theirs. Because Jesus speaks these living, life-giving words. And as he meets these disciples, he cuts through their doubt and sends them out to change the world, which is what they went on to do. He commissioned them. And that, in fact, is, is the theme for our service today. It's the last in our series on teachable moments, and we are thinking about how Jesus commissions us. Now, if you like, Jesus commissions us by giving us a sandwich in the reading we've just heard. Not the kind you eat, but a sandwich of words. There's some filling, which is what he sends us out to do, and there's some bread on either side. But as we begin, let's focus on the filling. And it's the first of two things I have for us to see from this passage. First thing... Jesus sends us out on the greatest adventure. Jesus sends us out on the greatest adventure. Verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. It's the greatest adventure. And it's the greatest adventure because it means being part of what God is doing. All through Matthew's gospel, Jesus has been making disciples. And now at the end, he entrusts us that responsibility. He calls us into that amazing task. We get to be part of what God does. Isn't that extraordinary? We're talking about God's plan to redeem all things. Surely there isn't a place for us in that. Surely we'll just get in the way. But there is even these disciples, many of whom had let Jesus down at his darkest hour, Jesus wants them to be involved. Not because he needs us, but because he loves us and he wants us to be part of what he's doing. He wants to make his agenda our agenda. And his agenda is disciples making disciples. That's the focus of these verses. It's interesting, in verse 16, Matthew could have said, then the eleven. Or he could have said the 11 apostles went to Galilee, but he doesn't. Do you notice he says, verse 16, the 11 disciples. And that's because what Jesus is saying to them is what he says to every disciple, to be involved in making disciples. That's the main thing going on here. And all the other things that are mentioned in verses 19 to 20 are just what making disciples involves. We make disciples as we go out to all nations, 
as we baptize in the triune name, the three-in-one name of God, and as we teach disciples to obey everything that Jesus commands. So you see there in verse 19, we go to all nations. And that's because there's nobody that Jesus doesn't welcome. There's nobody that Jesus doesn't welcome into his family. Matthew has written a very Jewish gospel, and all the way through, Jesus' concern for the people of Israel comes up again and again. But you see, all through the Bible, God's love for Israel was never meant to end with them. It was meant to flow and overflow to all the nations and become a blessing to the whole world. And here in these words, we see that happening as Jesus sends his people out to all the nations. And now instead of people coming geographically to Jerusalem to meet with God, his people spread out like reverse pilgrims to go as far as Jesus sends them. And here's the thing, they have good news for everyone they meet, the good news that God loves them, that there's nobody Jesus doesn't welcome. And that's true today as well. There is nothing about a person that would disqualify them from coming to Jesus absolutely nothing about them. You might have a really boring personality or a really eccentric personality. You might be a man, you might be a woman, you might be tall or short like we were singing earlier. None of it would be a barrier to coming to Jesus. No difference of identity, any that you could think of, disqualifies you from coming to him. There's nobody Jesus doesn't welcome. And that's why he sends us out to all nations. And we make disciples as we baptize in the triune name. And that's because Jesus welcomes us all the way in. He welcomes us right into the heart of who he is, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just think of Jesus' own baptism. You can read it for yourself in Matthew chapter three. In that moment, as Jesus is baptized, the Spirit descends on him, and the Father speaks from heaven and says, this is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And in that moment, we get a glimpse into the mystery Jesus is talking about here, that God is the three-in-one God. That's why Jesus says baptizing them in the name, singular, and then goes on to talk about the three. This is a holy and wonderful mystery. It means that with God, love and relationship are not things that are somehow outside him. They flow from who he is because he's forever alive with the love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a glorious mystery, but not just one to puzzle over. It's a mystery, and you are invited into it. That's why Jesus says we make disciples as we baptize in the triune name. In baptism, Jesus is calling you to become part of that love, to be immersed in the living love and loving life that is God. And in fact, at your baptism, you step right into that scene and share Jesus' privileged place. So now God looks at you and says, this is my daughter, this is my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Today is Father's Day, and that's a good day to remember that human fathers, even at their very best, are not the real thing. Actually, God He's the ultimate and true father. And he was father before the universe began. And he wants to be your father. And that's good news. 
whether your father is or was, wonderful or terrible, that means the real thing is on offer in Jesus. We make disciples as we baptize in the triune name because Jesus welcomes us all the way in to who he is. And then we make disciples as we teach them to obey all that Jesus commanded. And that's because the welcome of Jesus changes us. Yes, his love meets us right where we are. Nothing about us would disqualify us from meeting with him. But his love will never leave us where we are because he calls us to follow. That's what it means to be a disciple, someone who is following Jesus and learning how to live like him. And you notice Jesus doesn't say, teaching them everything I commanded you. He says, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. Because when it comes to Jesus, there's more than just information for your mind. It's transformation for your whole being as you follow him with the whole of who you are. It gets really practical. This is not just something you can learn cognitively, but something that it takes a whole life to unfold as you follow Jesus. Go back over Matthew's gospel and you'll see how what Jesus teaches touches every part of our life. Yes, it includes our minds and what we think, but it also touches how we use our bodies, how we spend our money. It will extend to everything we do and all that we are because we make disciples as we teach people to obey everything Jesus commands. And you know, Jesus' commands are not burdensome. In Matthew 11, he says they are light and easy. And I don't think he says that because they're always easy to obey. As a sinner, I find it very hard to obey sometimes. But they're light and easy because as I follow his way and keep his commands, I find myself drawn closer to him, becoming more like him. And as that happens, the burdens come off. Jesus is sending us out on the greatest adventure. That's the filling of the sandwich. Disciples making disciples as we go to all nations, as we baptize in the triune name, and as we teach disciples to obey everything Jesus commands. It's an amazing adventure. But remember, that's just the filling. We're talking about a sandwich here. And Jesus sandwiches that filling between two wonderful slices of bread. Here's the second big thing I have for us to see. Jesus secures us with everything we need. Yes, Jesus sends us on the greatest adventure and he secures us with everything we need. I wonder how you feel about being told you're gonna go on an adventure. It could be quite exciting or it could be terrifying. It could be like Bilbo Baggins from the very start of The Hobbit. He even says something like, adventures, nasty things, they keep you from having your dinner. I think a lot of the time I feel a bit like him. And it would be terrible if you were sent out on an adventure but you weren't properly equipped. It would be terrible if you were sent out on an adventure, but you didn't have the right support or you were sent all on your own. Well, Jesus doesn't do that to you. Jesus secures us with everything we need for the adventure he's calling us on. And so his commission is not just a to-do list. It comes sandwiched between two promises, one in verse 18 and one in verse 20. So here's the first one. It's the first slice of bread, if you like. Verse 18 then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus promises his power in all places. He has all authority. 
That's what makes sense of this commission. He can send us out to all nations because he has all authority. Now, of course, as God, he's always had that authority. But now, as the risen Christ, he wields it in a new way. As the one who has triumphed over all his enemies and trampled death underfoot. Nothing and no one can stand against the risen Christ. And he has all authority. Just think about it. Death is the worst thing that can happen to you. And yet Jesus not only came through death himself, but used death to bring us life. So what on earth could possibly stop him? If Jesus has conquered over death, nothing. He has all authority. And you could not be more secure than knowing that promise, his power in all places. In all places. That's why he sends us out as well. See, all nations belong to him. He has authority. There's nowhere you could go where he isn't in charge and his authority doesn't extend. It's the first precious promise, that first slice, his power in all places. And then the second slice, very end of our reading, his presence at all times. That's the promise he gives us to end Matthew's gospel, his, prom- his presence at all times. Verse 20, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What Jesus commissions us to do will go on until the end of human history, until he returns. But his promise is that he will be with us until then and never leave us and never forsake us. Yes, physically absent in his body with the Father, but present by his Holy Spirit and present never to abandon us. That's his promise. And nothing can stop him keeping that promise. Just think, Jesus is the one who died on the cross for you. That means he chose to be abandoned for you so that you never will be. So he will never abandon you now. And remember, he is the risen Christ. That means that not even death, which is the ultimate separation, could ever separate you from him. This is the most wonderful promise and the most amazing comfort we could ever have. It means that there is no experience in your life, nothing you could ever undergo in which he would leave you or forsake you. No matter what you're going through, he will never walk out on you. What a comfort to live life like that. I think of John Wesley, a Christian leader from the 18th century, and he preached thousands of sermons to thousands of people. He was an inspiring example of this great commission but maybe the truest and most precious thing he ever said was this. On his deathbed, he was heard to repeat the words, the best of all is, God is with us. The best of all is, God is with us. Do you know what that's like? To know that you never have to be alone or afraid, not even facing death, to have the comfort that will never run out because the God of all comfort will never walk out on you. Perfect father that he is. That's the the bread sandwiching this commission. So the commission Jesus gives us is not just a to-do list, but it comes between these precious promises from Jesus, his power in all places and his presence at all times. Jesus sends us on the greatest adventure and to do it, he secures us with everything we need. So let me ask, how will you respond to him this morning? Today, the risen Lord has been speaking to us. Don't refuse him. 
Let me suggest a couple of words to help express our response to him. Come and go. It might be that as you listen to Jesus, you sense him calling you to come. Perhaps all of this is brand new to you. You've never heard it before. And it sounds important. Well, it is. And if that's you, can I suggest that you take away, on your way out, this little booklet called The Greatest Person, written by a member of our congregation. Have a read. Take it. It's a gift from us to you, perfectly free. Have a read and get to the bottom of it. And if you want to find out more, just come back to us. We'd love to help you unpack what Jesus has to offer. It could be that you've been thinking about these things for a while, actually, and you sense Jesus calling you to come. You know you've not yet acknowledged his authority and started following him as Lord. Come. Today is the day to do it. He longs to welcome you. He died for you so that you could come to him and not have to earn that welcome. He longs to surround you with his power and his presence. Come. Or maybe you are following Jesus, and yet this morning you're aware that you've lost sight of the adventure he's calling us on. Or you feel like your love has grown cold. If that's you, come this morning to Jesus. Come to him. Ask him to renew you in your baptism. If you like to plunge you back in again to that loving life and living love that is God's, come to him. Can I say, if that is you, if you sense that Jesus is calling you to come, don't leave this morning without talking to him about it. There'll be prayer ministry going on afterwards. There'll be lots of opportunities to pray. Come find me or, or Tim or Erica if you'd like to pray into that. Don't leave without talking to him about it. Come. And then second, go. Go where Jesus sends you, knowing that he's with you every step you take. Go be part of the overflow of love that pours out from God's heart to the needs of his world. Go. Now, for some of us, that will mean leaving where we are to go somewhere else, perhaps even becoming cross-cultural missionaries or something like that. That might be how you respond to this call. But equally, you might respond to Jesus' call by praying for and supporting those who go. The great Baptist missionary William Carey once said to some of his church friends, I will go down if you will hold the rope. Here at Highfields, we have the privilege of many mission partners who've, who've gone down, as it were. And in prayer and support, we get to hold the rope. Whichever side of it it is, go. Take part in this amazing adventure. And can I just say, for all of us, going means learning to see ourselves as Jesus' representatives wherever he's put us, in our families, on our streets, in our workplaces, in our schools to live for his glory. I know that many of you this morning are doing that and seeking to do that. And the Lord says, keep going, keep going with this. There is no greater adventure and we lack nothing that we need for it. So let Jesus' agenda become your agenda. Let it occupy your prayers, focus your energies. Let it be the highest calling in your life. I'm going to finish with a really famous reflection from a 20th century missionary called Jim Elliot. Many of you will have heard it before. And I'm going to say it twice. In the middle, I'm going to leave some quiet for us to be as quiet as possible and just ask ourselves this question. Am I living my life in the light of this truth? So here's what Jim Elliot wrote in his journal. And forgive the gendered language he was writing at a different time. He said, 
He is no fool who gives up what he can never keep to gain that which he can never lose. Let's just reflect on our lives in the light of that for a moment. And ask yourself, is the Lord calling you to come? Is the Lord asking you to go? He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he can never lose.